For those of you just joining us, much of Metropolis remains under a dusk-to-dawn curfew following the death of Superman. The world-renowned hero laid down his life to stop a berserker monster called Doomsday who threatened to level the city following a several-state rampage which resulted in over 500 deaths and left Justice League America in disarray. Superman joined the battle at midday, but though he fought valiantly, he seemed unable to stop Doomsday's odyssey of death and destruction. It was, tragically, a fight to the finish, which claimed the lives of both combatants. And though many made heroic efforts, they were unable to revive the Man of Steel. He was finally taken to Metro General Hospital, where it is my sad duty to inform you that Superman was declared dead at approximately 6.23 p.m. For more on this story, we go now live to Scott Harris. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman, and this is episode number eight, Re-Action. Hello and welcome to Just Another Fanboy Presents. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and today we drop into week eight of the Death of Superman epic crossover event with Action Comics number 685, which was released this week, 30 years ago, on December 1st, 1992. It had a cover price of $1.25, and the title to the issue is Re-Action, and that's R-E colon Action, like the the reply on an email or a memo regarding action. I, I believe that's really what they were going for at the time. Regarding action is what that stands for. So this was written by Roger Stern, pencils by Jackson Geis, inks by Dennis Rodier. The letters were done by Bill Oakley and the colorist was Glenn Whitmore. So before we get into the issue, I want to talk about the cover for just a moment. We haven't really been talking about the covers too much so far in this series of episodes, but um, this is, as it says at the top of the cover, Funeral for a Friend, number two, and the cover is a homage to the uh, first appearance of Superman in Action Comics, number one, and in this case, we have Supergirl holding a car above her head, smashing it into a wall, and people running away in terror, and those people in this case would be the criminals who are at one point inside the car. And the same thing can be said of Action Comics number one. I've I've often heard people who are not familiar with the story that appears in Action Comics number one, who make reference to the people around Superman as he's smashing the car to the ground, that that they are just ordinary citizens, you know, onlookers, passers-by, who are running away in terror at a man who can lift a car above his head and smash it into the ground. But no, these were these were criminals who were inside the car at the time. So I wanted to make sure and point that out because that is, it's kind of the, the Superman creative teams collectively uh, using this cover to express the feeling that Superman is gone and right now in his place is Supergirl. And it says on the front, the all new Metropolis Marvel. So. Let's get into what happened inside the issue. And as I try to do in each episode, I'm going to give you a, a summary of the issue first, and then I'll kind of go in and just talk about uh, my thoughts as I was reading the issue. I've been getting my summaries off of DCFandom.com. Uh, some of the previous episodes, I didn't have a summary there to read. And in this episode, while I did have a summary there to read, I was not very happy with it. Whoever wrote it, 
Um, I'm not going to throw any anybody under the bus, but it, it it wasn't a great summary. And by that, I mean it wasn't that they left a lot out or um, they spoke on stuff that didn't happen. No, it just it just wasn't it wasn't written very well. And uh, I understand that these summaries are meant to be brief, but there there really was uh, just a lot of really bad typos. And by typos, I don't mean spelling. I mean I'm talking about words that shouldn't have been there or sentences that don't uh, end or or just kind of stop without. Well, b- before before the sentences are supposed to end, it just there. It, it's like somebody took a couple of different summaries and uh, took small bits from other summaries and just kind of threw them at this summary. And those words just showed up in various places. And and uh yeah, I'm, I'm not going to I don't I don't want to spend too much time on that. So basically, I, I rewrote the, the summary. So this is the summary from DCFandom.com for Action Comics number 685 as edited by me. We open with a news report from WLEX that recaps Doomsday's rampage, his battle with Superman and Superman's subsequent demise. The news anchor then hands the story off to an on the scene reporter outside the city morgue who attempts to speak on the issue of what to do with Superman's body, as he has no known next of kin. Before he can get much deeper into his report, the broadcast is cut off due to an unknown technical issue. Inside the city morgue, Captain Sawyer and her team find themselves in a standoff with Paul Westfield and his Cadmus soldiers, who had just moments earlier stormed into the morgue, demanding to be given Superman's body. Westfield is also, it turns out, behind the news report's technical difficulties, as we learn that he also has soldiers stationed outside who have shot down the news van's microwave dish. The Guardian attempts to stop the crew from Cadmus, but Westfield pulls rank. However, when word of this comes to Luther, he decides to fix things, sending Supergirl and Team Luther in to intervene. When Supergirl finds out that Westfield wants to take Superman's body, she ends the fight swiftly. Soon after, Luther arrives with Mayor Berkowitz. The mayor has with him official papers from the White House declaring that Superman is an American citizen and so deserves a decent burial. Luther lets Westfield know that he will ignore what Cadmus has done and what they attempted to do if Westfield and his soldiers get out of Metropolis as fast as they can. With the news van fixed, Luther gives a little speech, declaring that a portion of Centennial Park will be host to Superman's final resting spot. At the Daily Planet, Lois, Perry, and Jimmy listen to the broadcast before Perry sends everyone home for the night. As Jimmy and Perry worry about Lois, everyone else reacts to the news. In Smallville, Lana calls the Kents to check up on them, hoping that the news about Superman, who she knows as Clark, is a mistake. In a restaurant, three customers are also in shock, and they recall an incident in which Superman and Batman saved their town from vampires. From Australia to Japan to the Middle East, Africa, and Russia, news of Superman's death is broadcast all around the world. In the coroner's office, Luther is brought in to see Doomsday's remains, and enraged, he smashes a chair over the beast's body. To the others, it appears as if Luther's rage is due to his sorrow at Superman's death, when in reality, Luther is angry that he was not the one to end Superman's life, and he feels cheated and robbed of the one thing he desired above all else. 
Lois goes to Clark's apartment, and once inside, she collapses. She realizes the world must never know that Superman and Clark are one and the same, and then resolves to call his parents. Meanwhile, from Toy Man to Parasite to the prisoners in Strikers Island, the criminal elements react to the news of Superman's death. Elsewhere in Metropolis, a lone police officer stumbles upon a trio of thugs burglarizing what appears to be a jewelry store. When he tries to intervene, he's nearly run over as the three escape in their car. However, before they can get far, Supergirl arrives and subdues them with relative ease. Once the police arrives, she flies away and Bibbo catches sight of her, thinking for a moment that it might be Superman. He makes his way back to his bar, the Ace of Clubs, and kicks everybody out, closing early. Once alone, he drops to his knees and prays, asking God, why should Superman die when a washed-up old redneck like me goes on living? And as the book ends, Bibbo tells God that it ain't right. It just ain't right. Superman Radio Revisited Hosted by Matthew T. Cody This is going to be a new podcast which will be exploring the Superman radio show of the 1940s. It will begin by playing an episode Unfiltered Unedited Uncensored Uncut Followed by my commentary We're going to talk about the era a little bit And any interesting things that crop up in the episodes I think it'll be a lot of fun And I'm hoping to make it an interactive show So come along It's going to be a great time In a previous episode, I believe when I was talking about uh, the upcoming Funeral for a Friend, the second act in the in the whole death and return of Superman event, uh, I feel like I, I, well, I don't feel like, I know that I talked about how the Funeral for a Friend portion of the story was was a bit boring and kind of a slog to get through. That's, that, that's what my memory was of this portion of the story. And I believe I also said in, a, in another episode that I was going to stop talking about uh, what I remember in regard to any future uh, issues or story points or, or, or anything that my memory t- tells me is coming up. I, I, I know I talked about that. I was, I was going to stop mentioning that, that stuff because, uh, for example, in this case, um, here we are, the, the, the second of the Superman issues to get into funeral for a friend. And, uh, I rather enjoyed it. Um, it's obviously a bit different than what we've been reading so far, because there's not a giant raging monster destroying buildings and, and punching Superman, uh, through houses and, and throwing cars and junk like that. But with the exception of that justice league issue that came right after the death of Superman, so far, I think they're they're doing a, a a pretty good job of establishing where the world is now following Superman's death. Now, granted, this is only uh, you know if you if you take away that Justice League issue, uh, which is Justice League America number seventy, this is only the second issue into uh, Funeral for a Friend. The previous one was Adventures of Superman four ninety eight, which we talked about in the last episode, but. Whatever this feeling was that I had of funeral for a friend 
being a real slog. Um, so far, two issues in, I, I haven't found that to be the case. Uh, we have a lot here where they're trying to show us uh, various reactions and the way the world is dealing uh, in the aftermath of Superman dying. I think at this point, um, folks are still in shock over what happened. You know, the news is still quite fresh and people are still, uh, dis, you know, a bit in disbelief. And there were a couple of moments in this issue that referenced uh, uh, storylines or something that may have happened in a previous issue of a Superman book before the death of Superman. And I don't recall if I've talked about this yet or not. I feel like I have. But after Crisis on Infinite Earths, I, well, I was not reading Superman until after Crisis on Infinite Earths. And in fact, I really wasn't reading any DC comics at all until post-crisis. And I certainly wasn't collecting comics at the time of, of the crisis. Uh, it was actually my older brother. And he, he worked at a comic book store and he would buy books and he'd come home and he'd read them. And then he would lay them out on the steps that led up to his bedroom. And uh, before bed, my, my younger brother and I could walk over to those steps and pick up a stack of comics to read that night before bed. And so he was picking up, he, he didn't pick up any DC books until after the crisis. And he picked up John Byrne's Man of Steel, uh, the six issue miniseries that in essence, rebooted Superman for a post-crisis uh, DC universe. And then he continued on to buy the titles that came out of that, Superman, Adventures of Superman, and Action Comics. Uh, but at some point, he stopped because I know that I never finished Burns' tenure on Superman. And when I started collecting comics in the 90s, when I, you know, when I, I mean, I was, I don't want to say I wasn't collecting comics. At the time that Man of Steel, you know, Byrne came on to Superman because technically I did have a subscription to both Captain America and G.I. Joe. So I, I was collecting those comics. And I know that I was also getting the ElfQuest books that uh, Marvel was putting out. But you know what? We'll, we'll talk about that later. That's that. That might be a little uh, tease to season two of uh, just another fanboy presents. But. When I officially started working a job and earning my own money and driving a car and driving into a comic book store every week to pick up issues that I had on a, on a pull list and stuff like that, I was not reading a lot of DC comics until the death of Superman came about. And that's when I started purchasing Superman books. So everything between sometime in the middle of, of the John Byrne Superman era and Superman Man of Steel number 18, which kicks off the, the death of Superman event. I didn't read any of those, those issues at all. Didn't, didn't read them. And I still haven't read many of them. And so they make little references, like I said, throughout these issues. Uh, one of them happens after the incident between Cadmus and the uh, Metropolis police. Uh, when they fight over who is going to get custody of Superman's body. And as Westfield and Guardian and Cadmus is leaving, Guardian on his motorcycle is thinking to himself, uh, I know that Westfield had it in for Superman, but I never thought he'd stoop so low as to pick a fight over the man's body. And there's a little asterisk there, and it references us to a, an issue of Superman. Uh, it looks like um, 58. I can't quite see it very well from where I'm sitting on the computer monitor. 
because I'm looking at this through the DC Universe Infinite desktop version. And then there's the moment when we see the news report going out uh, after this and we see various places listening to the news or watching the news and, and reacting to the death of Superman. And we are at this little cafe, uh, Ga- Gaspers. It's you, you see a portion of the sign and they make reference to uh, Superman and Batman saving them when their town was overrun by vampires. And that has a little asterisk and an editor's note that tells us to check out Action Comics Annual Number 1. And so, well, that would have been a, a burn book, I would assume. I don't remember that happening at all either. So maybe that was at the point that I had, my brother had stopped collecting those books. But it just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm not talking about the death of Superman right now, and I really should be, but it, it made me realize that I need to go back and read all that stuff between. And uh, I'll be doing that at some point. That's not a tease to anything that's coming up on podcasts. I'm just saying I need to read that stuff. So we get the standoff there at the beginning between um, Cadmus and the Metropolis police. Now, before that, I do want to point out that the opening to this issue where we get the news report of everything ultimately that had happened up to this point with the with the battle between Superman and, and Doomsday, I found that to be it's it's literally a, a page and then maybe two panels on the next page. And I thought it did a really good job of recapping the entire first arc of this of this uh, event. I mean, because really, it, it's kind of funny that you can you can really encapsulate uh, what is seven issues and the event, you know, everything that happened within those seven issues that you can you can recap it just in a news report. I thought it was a you know, as 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 a writer, I, I found that device uh, very appealing. I thought that was a, a nice, uh, you know, I looked at that and I said, that was that was a good idea. You know, that was a, a really good way to to recap what's happened without uh, making it look like uh, you're wanting to catch everybody up. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, then we get the standoff, like I said, between Cadmus and the police. And I enjoyed that as well, uh, especially when Supergirl shows up, because you know, again, I'm not all that familiar with who Supergirl is at this time in the DC universe. Uh, I know that she's not Kara Zor-El. Is that her name? Uh, the, the, you know, that's who she is now. And that's who she was before the crisis. And I know that she's not who ends up being Power Girl. There's, a, you know, the whole Supergirl, Power Girl thing. It's, it's very confusing. But Again, I, I was not reading the Burn books by the time Burn introduced this new version of Supergirl. And um, my only reading experience with her is, is through this crossover event, which uh, I'm only reading for the third time. The last time I read it was uh, maybe four years ago. And then the first time I read it, of course, was back in 92, 93. So we get to learn a bit about uh, her powers in this issue. We know that she is, is a, 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 some kind of protoplasmic matrix uh, being from another uh, dimension, uh, but and and that she uh, can change her shape, and that she uh, has taken the form of Supergirl. Uh, I don't know why exactly she has. I'm assuming it's to it's to honor Clark or, or Superman and their friendship, uh, or maybe she idolizes him. I don't know. They don't they don't talk about any of that here at, at this point. So again, I got to go back and read all that stuff, but. She does this thing here as soon as she finds out that, uh, you know, why Cadmus and Westfield are there, because you got this whole standoff and it's getting really tense. And then suddenly Team Luther shows up with Supergirl and Westfield yells out to her, you're making a mistake. 
We're an authorized federal agency, which is something that I don't think I knew until I get to this issue is that they are, uh, Cadmus is, is not a private organization, or at least, uh, they, if they are, they're working on contracts for, uh, the federal government. But as Westfield calls out to her, somebody off panel, and I'm assuming it's Turpin, says, don't trust them, little lady. They want to take Superman's body. And she goes, they what? And something explodes out of her. And the very next panel, you have uh, Westfield waking uh, from uh, an unconscious state of being. And we learn that what Supergirl had used is something called a psychokinetic blast. So she has some type of psi powers. You know, we know that she's strong and she can fly and she can change her shape. We know she's not as invulnerable as Superman because when Doomsday punched her in, I think, what was that issue 75 of Superman, she just immediately turned into putty, which was kind of weird. And then we learn a little bit later in this issue when she uh, comes to the rescue of the, the police officer who stumbles across the three dudes that are burglarizing a jewelry store. Uh, she, they, they, they unload their guns at her and she stops the bullets using her mind in midair. So that was kind of cool. I think what I'm trying to say here is that I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this version of Supergirl. I'm, I'm, I'm liking this version, even though she didn't stand a chance to old doomsday. I'd like to say she folded like a card player with a bad hand, but, uh, no, she, she literally turned into putty when, when doomsday hit her was, again, it was pretty weird. We, uh, Get another one of those moments where we are reminded that we didn't just lose Superman, that, uh, you know, when it comes to folks like Lois Lane and Jonathan and Martha Kent and Lana Lang, uh, they didn't lose Superman. They lost Clark Kent. In the case of Lois, she lost her fiance and the, the man she was going to spend the rest of her life with. In the case of Lana Lang, she lost her, her best friend from school. And then, of course, in the case of Jonathan and Martha Kent, they lost their son. And I feel like I, I, I got to keep talking about this. It's, it's not enough for the poor Kents that they had to watch their son die on television. Uh, they also had to watch as the rest of the nation uh, viewed this battle almost as a form of entertainment. Because, again, one of the points they're trying to make with this story, with, you know, with this whole crossover event, is that. The world by this point has taken Superman for granted, both the, the fictional characters within the DC universe and those of us who are reading the books. Everybody assumes that Superman's always going to win. There, there's nothing that he can't triumph over because he is an all-powerful, godlike being. And so this is where they pull the rug out from every, everybody, you know? And so as this is being broadcast on live television, you know, the news, the, the 24 hour news cycle, I, I don't quite remember if that was a thing back then. I feel like it was, it's not like it is now, but people are sitting in their homes watching this and they're, they're watching it like it's a freaking wrestling match or something. They're, they're so sure that Superman's going to survive that, you know, it's, it's a fun thing to watch on TV and Jonathan and Martha have to watch this knowing that, uh, you know, or not knowing, but fearing for the life of their son, because regardless of, of who Superman and Clark is, they're, they're still his parents and they're always going to worry. And uh, you combine that with the fact that now they have to mourn the loss of their son, but they can't mourn his death in public. They have to go on with, you know, the story, with the lie that Clark is missing. 
because when Superman and Doomsday were fighting there in Metropolis, uh, they brought down a number of buildings. By this point in the story, there are still hundreds and hundreds of people missing, trapped under buildings. Uh, some of them are alive and just waiting to be rescued, and but many of them have died. And so, of course, for you know, one of the things that Lois has to deal with in this issue is she's got these people around her who care about her and are trying to make her feel better by trying to keep her spirits up. And, you know, don't worry, Lois, Clark's a, you know, he's, he knows what he's doing. He'll, he'll get out of this. He's a survivor. They're, they're going to find him. You just have to keep your hopes up. And you know, that that's got to be hard to listen to, you know, (laughs) after a while that you got to just at some point, just go F you, you know, you have no idea what you're talking about. He's dead. And, you know, she, I think she could legitimately say that to people and they would just, uh, they would forgive her for, for, you know, for lashing out because in their minds they would, they would, uh, they would know that she knows that, you know, because I think Perry says it at one point that, um, regardless of the fact that they're still combing through the buildings, they're still combing through the rubble, they're still looking for survivors. Um, he doesn't really think that, that, that Clark survived. He thinks that Clark and, and most of the people that are missing they're, they're, they didn't survive. And so, yeah, that's got to be hard for Lois and, and, and eventually Martha and Jonathan, you know, the, the, the thing that Martha and Jonathan have right now that Lois doesn't is they have each other. And Lois at this point has nobody and she's got to try to deal with this by herself. And then of course we have Lana who knows that Clark and Superman are the same person. She, uh, when she calls Jonathan and Martha, she calls from a phone booth. I want to do that thing where, where, you know, you say, kids, if you don't know what a phone booth is, but I don't think I have anybody listening to this episode that doesn't know what a phone booth is. I don't think I have any young listeners. But when she calls Jonathan and Martha, she says that she and Pete were on the road. We don't know where they're at. They could just be, uh, they could have been heading to uh, the grocery store. They could still be in Smallville. I don't know. They don't, they don't really say. Uh, Pete would be, um, man, I can't think of Pete's last name. Basically, when Clark grew up, his two biggest uh, childhood friends were Pete and Lana. Um, And I don't know why I can't remember Pete's last name. Uh, But I know that he told Lana that, you know, who he is. Uh, He's Superman. And I don't know if he ever told Pete. I I think post-crisis Pete knows or or pre-crisis Pete knew about Superman and Clark. But I don't know if post-crisis Pete does. What is his last name? Okay, I'm sorry. I got to look this up. Pete Ross, that's his name, played by Sam Jones, the third in the uh, the Smallville TV show. I really enjoyed uh, the moment with Lex uh, breaking the chair over Doomsday's dead body and how um, everybody else just assumes that he is um, so upset about losing Superman that that this is how he is. He's he, he's taking it out on Doomsday, you know, like uh I am angry at you, Doomsday, for taking Superman away from me because Superman was a hero and I loved him. And it's more, I'm angry at you, Doomsday, for taking away my opportunity for killing Superman myself. Because you got to remember, this is Lex Luthor II. And as far as the rest of the world knows, he is Lex Luthor's long lost son, uh, estranged from Lex Luthor, uh, grew up in Australia, has long flowing red hair, uh, which each of the, the four art teams on these books draws a bit differently. Uh, I've noticed that Tom Grummet gives Lex more like, uh, 
shoulder length hair, hair that just brushes the top of his shoulders. Whereas everybody else, he's got this long red hair that, that flows down his back and, and uh, just this big luxurious mane of ginger hair. And, and again, he doesn't, he's got a beard and he's got no mustache and uh, he looks good. He looks good. But since everybody doesn't know that he is actually a clone of the original Lex Luthor with Lex's brain implanted in this clone body that he is, in essence, the, the original Lex Luthor. Uh, everybody loves him. He, you know, he, he, he apparently came to town again. I wasn't reading these books when, when this Lex showed up, but he, he came to town and he posed as a big humanitarian who wanted to do, uh, you know, make up for his father's villainous ways. And, uh, everybody just loves him. And, uh, I don't know when, uh, everyone, I don't know when everybody's going to learn the truth. Uh, but I, I really like that aspect in this story that, uh, on the outside, he is this man of the people that everybody loves. And on the inside, he is just super angry that he was not the one that got to kill Superman. Beyond that, um, you know, they tried to show the, the reactions from villains in regard to the death of Superman. But, you know, they they did okay, I suppose. I mean, we get the toy man, uh, his reaction, which is just, you know, he takes no joy in Superman's passing. And I don't... I don't know that I've read really any stories in which the toy man is featured as the bad guy. I know that, you know, we talk about certain superheroes like Batman and the Flash and Spider-Man. They have this rogues gallery of villains, you know, standard villains that you think of Batman, you think of certain villains. You think of uh, Spider-Man, you think of certain villains and same, same thing with the Flash. But with Superman, it's like Superman, Lex Luthor. And when really pressed on the issue, uh, Toy Man is always put up as one of Superman's big villains, along with characters like, I guess, Bizarro and the Parasite. I don't know. I, ne- I guess I never really got Toy Man. Uh, I never really understood the appeal of that character. But then again, like I said, I really haven't read anything in which he's featured as a as a villain. So all I know is that he's a, a dude that makes toys that that I guess, are used to, to, to kill Superman. I, I don't know. I, I would need to read, you know, if anybody knows of a, a go-to issue, if, if, if you want to show to me uh, that Toy Man is deserving as being one of Superman's big villains, uh, give me an issue number. Give me a title and an issue number, and I'll go ch- read it. And, you know, if, if it's three key issues that I need to read, whatever, let me know. I, I, I need to, I need to understand more this whole toy man guy, because I just, I don't get it. Uh, we also see, uh, uh, one panel of the parasite who is, I don't know where he's at. He he's imprisoned somewhere. Uh, this could be star labs. I don't know, but he he's in this box, uh, that seems to be, uh, made of metal and glass. Um, and he is above everybody. Uh, what look like uh, scientists or maybe factory workers beneath him. I don't know. Uh, but he's he that whoever it is, whoever, wherever he's at, they're all listening to the news on the radio. And he's really angry. And he tells them to turn the bleeping radio off. And uh, he's tired of hearing. He's tired of hearing the news. He says, if I hear once more about the tragedy of Superman's death, I'm going to puke. And somebody says, shut up, parasite. <laughs> and he. He gets kind of angry at that. And he says, you know, if I bet them boys over at Strikers Island would throw a party if they knew. And so then we go to Strikers Island, which is apparently like Alcatraz. It's a, a prison on an island. And uh, we get uh, a bunch of word balloons to 
show us that that various prisoners are talking. You know, we don't see the prisoners. It just there's just voices all over. And some of them are very happy. They, they you know, they they're hearing rumors. You know, it's not like they have announced at the prison that Superman's dead, but they're, they're hearing rumors and they want to know, you know, is it true? And somebody says that Louie's got a radio stashed and Louie says it's true. Superman bought the farm and some of the prisoners are, are really happy. One of them says, uh, yeehaw, Superman bleeping is dead. Actually, Superman bleep is dead. So Super F, I guess, is what he's saying. Yeehaw, Super F is dead. And they spell it D-A-I-D, dead. And somebody else shouts out, you watch your mouth. Yeah, Superman saved my grandma's life once. And so there's arguing going on at the prison. Some people are are upset about Superman's death. Some people are happy about it. Uh, but yeah, it's basically you get this one page to uh, try to provide us with the the villain reaction. So, you know, they they pulled it off. All right, I guess we get two suit. Well, quote unquote, super villains. I, again, I don't know anything about Toy Man other than that he makes toys. I'm assuming he's some kind of creepy pedophile type. I, I don't know. But he's talking to, I guess, one of his toys. And uh, he's saying he always showed concern for the children. Superman thwarted the Toy Man's revenge, but I take no joy in his passing. Indeed, who could? I just, I don't get him. I don't get the guy. But uh, yeah, so beyond that, the only other thing I wanted to point out is the way that the issue ends. Bibbo's out on the streets. It's past curfew. They mentioned at the beginning of the of the issue with the news report that um, Metropolis is under a, a dusk to dawn curfew. And uh, Bibbo's out past curfew. He sees Supergirl fly over. And for a, just a barely a moment, he's he's excited and realizes that it's Supergirl. And he's he's sad again. He's got nothing against Supergirl, but she's not his favorite. Then he goes back to his bar, which he owns, Bibbo's Ace of Clubs. And he kicks everybody out. I don't I don't know if he's got a manager, um, but apparently he left his bar with patrons still inside to, to do whatever it was he was doing. And then when he returns, uh, he kicks everybody out, although I think we only see two people there. And then he is standing alone in the bar in the dark. And that's when he he prays. He's a he's a Catholic based on the way he's praying. And that's when he asks God, why should Superman die when a washed up old roughneck like me? goes on living. It ain't right, God. It just ain't right. And it's a very, it's a, it's a very well done sequence uh, because it's three panels. You know, once he, once he starts asking God why it's, it's the, it's like the camera is panning back away from him. He's not kneeling. He's crouching with his hat in hands. And we are, uh, we're looking at him from the back. It's, it's a, the the camera is like pulling away, you know, back away from him and up. And again, we just see him crouch there, just his back with his head down. It's very sad. I, I you know, I like Bibbo. I've said it before. I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a fan of the the character. I think he's a good man, and he uh, he tries to do right by people. But uh, I don't always like the way they write his dialogue. The the just not a big fan sometimes of the way dialogue is written to try to account for people's accents, the way they say certain things. And again, I'll point out the word favorite. Whenever he talks about Superman being his favorite, they spell it F-A-V apostrophe R-I-T, favorite. Like he says it really fast. He doesn't, like, we're just to assume based on that, that the people who write this, uh, they think that when everybody says favorite, they say favorite. And I say favorite, you know? And I guess, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know the point they're trying to make with that spelling the dialogue that way favorite because maybe I'm an idiot like Bibbo. Maybe I've been saying the word favorite wrong this entire time. I should always include that O in, in my enunciation. That is my favorite type of pie. That is my favorite podcast instead of favorite. I don't know. That's, I think that's why that angers me is because I feel like the writers are pointing out that I'm an idiot. I think that's what, what I'm getting out of it. I'm, uh, I'm taking offense at it. I'm, uh, I'm looking at it as, as, a, as a failing on my part, and it makes me flippin' angry. All right, before we wrap it up and I get to the whole, uh, you know, wrapping up stuff, there's, there's a bit in the backs of these issues that uh, I haven't talked about so far. Um, again, I've been reading these through the, the DC Infinite Universe app or DC Universe Infinite, I don't know what it's called. And uh, as I've been kind of pulling out the the individual issues and looking at them, it's 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 become clear to me that I need to be looking at the individual issues, the the actual issues, because in the letters column, in the backs of these, we get these four boxes that tell us what's coming up in in the coming weeks. And uh, so the next issue we're going to get, I, I want to talk about that because I wasn't going to at first because I figured, what's the point of telling you what's coming up in the next four issues? If in the next issue, they're going to do the same thing. And I've, I've already talked about three of those issues that's coming up. But then I noticed that the, uh, the little description blurbs that they've used for at least for the next few issues, they change it in each issue. So, well, for example, in, in uh, uh, the, the next issue we're going to get is Man of Steel number 20. And so when I look at Man of Steel number 20 and I look at what's coming up next, the issue after that is Superman number 76. So in this issue that we're looking at now, Action Comics, it gives you, you know, what's coming up in Superman number 76. And what this tells us is different than what's in the back of Man of Steel 20. So it's like they're giving us just little bit, little bits. So I thought it would be fun each episode to talk about, uh, you know, quickly what's, what's coming up to get our juices flowing. So the next issue, it says next week, but based on Mike's amazing comics, uh, Mike's amazing world of comics at mikesamazingcomics.com next week. So the week of December, 8th, 1992, there were no issues released in the Death of Superman crossover event. So in the back of this issue, it says that the next issue is Man of Steel number 20, but it says next week, and then next two weeks, and then in three weeks, and then in one month. But really, it's there, there's an off week between this one and the next one. But I, I'm going to ignore that and just read what they have. Next week, Superman's funeral, a massive crowd of friends and allies Citizens and superheroes gather to pay their final respects to Superman in Man of Steel number 20. In two weeks, Superman's body has been stolen from its tomb, and Lois is rapidly losing control. Dan Jurgens and Brett Breeding tell us the tale in Superman number 76. Then in three weeks, Lex is becoming paranoid about Superman's death. It is a little too similar to a trick he himself has pulled, especially with Superman's body missing. But the special crimes unit is on the case. And if they can't find Superman's body, no one can. That's going to be in Adventures of Superman 499. And then next month in Action Comics, the underworld is searched for Superman's body. And the SCU's terrible Turpin isn't leaving without answers, even if he has to beat them out of some of the underworld's ugliest customers to do it. See it happen in Action Comics number 686. So. Yeah, that's what we got to look forward to over the next four episodes. But there might be a little bonus episode there for you in there as well. Um, tell you what, let me wrap it up. Let me go through the ending spiel and then we'll finish 
with me talking about what you might be able to look forward to next week. All right. So I want to thank everybody for listening to today's episode of Just Another Fanboy Presents. If you want to drop me a line, ask me a question, or provide me with a bit of feedback, you can email me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com or you can use the Just Another Fanboy voice line at 785-318-6673. And you can use that number to leave a voicemail or even send me a text. And uh, one thing I noticed is if you're looking at the show notes, for example, on Apple Podcasts, you can uh, just touch that phone number because I put that in the show notes. You just touch that number and boom, it'll, it'll take you where you need to go. But uh, just make sure if you send me a text, let me know who you are because I do want to use your feedback in a future episode. And I want to be able to tell folks who provided me with that feedback. Now, I know that some of you have, I've, I've gotten a little bit of feedback so far and uh, we'll be talking about that feedback really soon. You can also reach out to me on Twitter by using the handle at Stephen or else or join us in all the fun over at the message boards by going to forum.justanotherfanboy.com. And hey, if you feel inclined to throw a little support my way, because podcasting, it just ain't free, folks. You can join the, I mean, it's free for you. You you don't have to pay anything, but uh, I have to, I have to pay for, for hosting services. So, you know, I'm happy to do that. I've been doing it so far for the past three or four years. So I got no problem doing that. But, you know, if you want to help out, if you want to throw, like I said, a little support my way, you can join my Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, $12 a year. That's all I'm asking for, folks. Patreon.com slash Stephen Arnor. In return, I'm going to do my very best to give you podcast episodes just like this one before anybody else gets them. And by anybody else, I mean you and the, uh, the other patrons. You guys are going to get them. But anybody who's not a patron, they're going to get them at the regular time. They got to wait like a bunch of chumps. I don't, I don't mean that. I'm not trying to anger anybody because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not done asking you. <laughs> I'm not done asking you for stuff because I also invite you to subscribe to the Stephen Says Stuff newsletter. This is a free Substack where I'm going to send you every podcast episode I create each and every week right to your inbox the morning they are released. There is an option if you sign up to uh, sign up for the paid version. I'll tell you right now. That's up to you if you want to sign up for the paid version. It's a little bit more than uh, what we're asking for on the Patreon because I can't. it doesn't allow me to go any lower than that. But I don't really have anything to offer you uh, over there on the Substack, except again, episodes before anybody else other than the patrons get them. Beyond all that, I would really quite enjoy it and love it deep in my heart if you rated and reviewed the show if that option is available wherever you get your podcasts. All of those links, the email address, the phone number, all that is going to be listed in your show notes. So next week, again, it's an off week. According to Mike's Amazing World of Comics at mikesamazingworld.com, there were no issues in the Death of Superman event released the week of November 8th back in 1992. However, I'm going to put together a little bonus episode for you. We're going to have a number of off weeks throughout this season because of when these issues were released. And frankly, I'm not going to do a bonus episode or bonus episodes every single off week. But if I'm able to, I'm gonna. And so I want to go ahead and put one together for you guys for, for our very first off week. And uh, here's what I'm going to try to do. I've got the uh, Death of Superman 30th anniversary special that DC released back in November. And so I'm gonna, I, I would like to put an episode together in which I talk about any of the feedback that I've received thus far and uh, talk about that 30th anniversary special. It's going to depend. I haven't read it yet. 
we'll see what it what what's in it if it's if it's anything that that uh i don't know i can't think of any reason why i wouldn't want to talk about it because uh just based on the the description it sounds like a lot of fun because they got a lot of the creative teams back to it's it's i think it's four stories in there and i'm looking forward to reading it so until next week folks i'm gonna let you go goodbye Fart, fart, fart. Boop, 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 fart, fart, poop.